Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, June 6th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Behalachka, and it means in your going up. Numbers 10, 1-15 Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Have two silver trumpets made. Make them of hammered work. They shall serve you to summon the community and to set the divisions in motion. When both are blown in long blasts, the whole community shall assemble before you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And if only one is blown, the chieftains, heads of Israel's contingents, shall assemble before you. But when you sound short blasts, the divisions encamped on the east shall move forward. And when you sound short blasts a second time, those encamped on the south shall move forward. Thus, short blasts shall be blown for setting them in motion, while to convoke the congregation you shall blow long blasts, not short ones. The trumpets shall be blown by Aaron's sons, the Kohanim. They shall be for you an institution for all time throughout the ages. When you are at war in your land against an aggressor who attacks you, you shall sound short blasts on the trumpets that you may be remembered before Hashem your God and be delivered from your enemies. And on your joyous occasions, your fixed festivals, 
and new moon days you shall sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and your sacrifices of well-being. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I, Hashem, am your God. In the second year, on the twentieth day of the second month, the cloud lifted from the Mishkan of the pact, and the Israelites set out on their journeys from the wilderness of Sinai. The cloud came to rest in the wilderness of Paran. When the march was to begin at Hashem's command through Moses, the first standard to set out troop by troop was the division of Yehuda. In command of its troops was Nashon, son of Amminadab. In command of the tribal troops of Issachar, Nathaniel, son of Zuar. First Kings 1, 1-53 King David was now old, advanced in years, and though they covered him with bedclothes, he never felt warm. His courtier said to him, Let a young virgin be sought for my lord the king to wait upon your majesty and be his attendant, and let her lie in your bosom. My lord the king will be warm. So they looked for a beautiful girl throughout the territory of Israel. They found Abishag the Shunammite and brought her to the king. The girl was exceedingly beautiful. She became the king's attendant and waited upon him, but the king was not intimate with her. Now Adonaiyahu, son of Haggith, went about boasting, I will be king. He provided himself with chariots and horses and an escort of fifty outrunners. His father had never scolded him. Why did you do that? He was the one born after Absalom and, like him, was very handsome. He conferred with Joab, son of Zeroiah, and with the Kohen of Yartar, and they supported Adonaiyahu. But the Kohen Zadok, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Navi, Nathan, Shimei, and Ray, and David's own fighting men, did not side with Adonijahu. Adonijahu made a sacrificial feast of sheep, oxen, and fatlings at the Zoheloth stone, which is near Enrogel. He invited all his brother princes and all the king's courtiers of the tribe of Yehuda. But he did not invite the Navi Nathan, or Benaiah, or the fighting men, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, You must have heard that Adonijahu, son of Haggith, has assumed the kingship without the knowledge of our Lord David. Now take my advice so that you may save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did not you, O Lord King, swear to your maidservant? Your son Solomon shall succeed me as king, and he shall sit upon my throne. Then why has Adonijahu become king? While you are still there talking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in his chamber. The king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was waiting on the king. Bathsheba bowed low in homage to the king, and the king asked, What troubles you? She answered him, My lord, you yourself swore to your maidservant by Hashem your God. Your son Solomon shall succeed me as king, and he shall sit upon my throne. Yet now Adonijahu has become king, and you, my lord the king, know nothing about it. 
He has prepared a sacrificial feast of a great many oxen, fatlings, and sheep, and he has invited all the king's sons and of Yartar the Kohen and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited your servant Solomon. And so the eyes of all Israel are upon you, O Lord King, to tell them, Who shall succeed my lord the king on the throne? Otherwise, when my lord the king lies down with his fathers, my son Solomon and I will be regarded as traitors. She was still talking to the king when the Navi Nathan arrived. They announced to the king, The Navi Nathan is here, and he entered the king's presence. Bowing low to the king with his face to the ground, Nathan said, O Lord King, you must have said, Adoniyahu shall succeed me as king, and he shall sit upon my throne. For he has gone down today and prepared a sacrificial feast of many great of a great many oxen, fatlings, and sheep. He invited all the king's sons and the army officers and of Yartar the Kohen. At this very moment they are eating and drinking with him, and they are shouting, Long live King Adoniyahu. But he did not invite me, your servant, or the Kohen Zadok, or Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, or your servant, Solomon. Can this decision have come from my lord the king without your telling your servant who is to succeed to the throne of my lord the king? King David's response was, Summon Bathsheba. She entered the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath, saying, As Hashem lives, who has rescued me from every trouble, the oath I swore to you by Hashem, the God of Israel, that your son Solomon should succeed me as king, and that he should sit upon my throne in my stead, I will fulfill this very day. Bathsheba bowed low in homage to the king with her face to the ground, and she said, May my lord King David live forever. Then King David said, Summon to me the Kohen Zadok, the Navi Nathan, and Benaiah son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, the king said to them, Take my loyal soldiers, and have my son Solomon ride on my mule, and bring him down to Gihon. Let the Kohen Zadok and the Navi Nathan anoint him their king over Israel, whereupon you shall sound the shofar and shout, Long live King Solomon! Then march up after him, and let him come in, and sit on my throne. For he shall succeed me as king. Him I designate to be ruler of Israel and Yehuda. Benaiah son of Jehoiada spoke up and said to the king, Amen, and may Hashem, the God of my lord the king, so ordain. As Hashem was with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon, and may he exalt his throne even higher than the throne of my lord King David. Then the Kohen Zadok and the Navi Nathan and Benaiah son of Jehoiada went down with the Cherethites and the Pelethites. They had Solomon ride on King David's mule, and they led him to Gihon. The Kohen Zadok took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. They sounded the shofar, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! All the people then marched up behind him, playing on flutes and making merry, till the earth was split open by the uproar. Adoniyahu and all the guests who were with him, who had just finished eating, heard it. When Joab heard the sound of the shofar, he said, Why is the city in such an uproar? He was still speaking when the Kohen Jonathan, son of Abyartar, arrived. Come in, said Adoniyahu. 
You are a worthy man, and you surely bring good news. But Jonathan replied to Adoniyahu, Alas, our lord King David has made Solomon king. The king sent with him the Kohen Zadok, and the Navi Nathan, and Benaiah son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites. They had him ride on the king's mule, and the Kohen Zadok and the Navi Nathan anointed him king at Gihon. Then they came up from there, making merry, and the city went into an uproar. That's the noise you heard. Further, Solomon seated himself on the royal throne. Further, the king's courtiers came to congratulate our lord King David, saying, May Hashem make the renown of Solomon even greater than yours, and may he exalt his throne even higher than yours. And the king bowed low on his couch. And further, this is what the king said, Praise be Hashem, the God of Israel, who has this day provided a successor to my throne while my own eyes can see it. Thereupon, all of Adoniyahu's guests rose in alarm, and each went his own way. Adoniyahu, in fear of Solomon, went at once to the tent and grasped the horns of the altar. It was reported to Solomon, Adoniyahu is in fear of King Solomon and has grasped the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon first swear to me that he will not put his servant to the sword. Solomon said, If he behaves worthily, not a hair of his head shall fall to the ground, but if he is caught in any offense, he shall die. So King Solomon sent and had him taken down from the altar. He came and bowed before King Solomon, and Solomon said to him, Go home. Acts 4 1 to 37. And as they, Peter and John, spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Yeshua the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now evening. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at the knot of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, the chief cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Yeshua. 
and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach, in the name of Yeshua. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about above forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing was shown. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against your holy child Yeshua, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Yeshua. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who was by the apostles, was surnamed Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, the son of Consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Psalm 124, 1-8 If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, 
When men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Proverbs 16.24 Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. I want to speak to you today from 1 Kings, and then we'll jump into Acts chapter 4. And I just want to share the introduction to this book from the Israel Bible. And so I'm just going to share that. It's written by Rabbi Shmuel Jablon. Though the book of Kings is divided into two parts, Jewish tradition considers it a single book of 47 chapters. As we study these chapters, we experience both the high points of the history of the children of Israel and the lowest. Despite the tragic ending, the high points of the book allow us to maintain hope for future. The book begins with King Solomon ascending the throne of his king, of his father, King David, as the first heir to the Davidic dynasty. Unlike his father, King Solomon rules over a kingdom that is united, strong, and at peace. He is well known for his wisdom and for righteousness as a judge. He is also blessed with the opportunity to build the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, in Jerusalem. The Beit HaMikdash becomes the focal point of prayers and of the service of Hashem for the people of Israel and all those who believe in the one true God. It is an awe-inspiring structure that serves to honor and glorify the Almighty and to bring his children closer to him. This is one of the highest points in the history of Israel. The people live as a secure, prosperous, and free nation in the land of Israel, and they are able to serve Hashem in the most meaningful of ways and to serve as a light to the other nations. Unfortunately, The people of Israel are unable to maintain the heights of spiritual and political achievement attained during the times of King Solomon. After his death, the kingdom is divided into two parts, the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes of the north, and the southern kingdom of Judah, the two tribes of the south. Accounts of the sins of the nation and its leaders dominate the second half of kings. Idol worship becomes rampant and even reaches the holy temple. To be sure, there are important kings and righteous leaders who offer hope. For example, we learn of King Hezekiah, who serves Hashem and merits a miraculous rescue of the city of Jerusalem, and of King Josiah, who, after discovering a Torah scroll hidden away by his predecessors, leads the people in nationwide repentance. However, Such heartening events are overshadowed by the eventual destruction of both kingdoms and exile of their inhabitants. Malachim ends with the exile of the people of the kingdom of Yehuda to Babylon and the burning of the temple in Jerusalem. It would be tempting to close the book with feelings of despair. But Jewish tradition teaches that just as the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, was destroyed on the ninth day, 
of the Hebrew month of Av, the Mashiach, a future king from the house of David, will be born on that same day. Thus, at the very depths of our grief, we find hope for the future. We know that the people of Israel will yet reach incredible heights, just as they did in the days of King Solomon. This is hinted at in the story of Eliyahu the Elijah the prophet, who does not die, but rather ascends to the next world in a fiery chariot. That's Elijah the prophet. Elijah, who is said to be the prophet who will announce the arrival of the Mashiach, is thus our link to both the past and the future. We live in times of redemption. The children of Israel have come home from the four corners of the earth to Israel and have achieved sovereignty for the first time in millennia. As in the days of King Solomon, the righteous among the nations admire the Jewish state for its wisdom, justice, and concern for all mankind. Jerusalem is again the center of prayer to Hashem. All of this coming so soon, after the Holocaust and generations of persecution, is clearly a miracle from God. There is still a long way to go until the complete redemption. However, Kings reminds us of the heights the people of Israel can reach and the profound impact this can have on the entire world. We pray that the state and people of Israel reach these heights and that our generation will be blessed with complete redemption. So I will add to that that it's Yeshua who did come in his first coming of the lineage of David and uh, laid down his life shed his blood, died on the tree, and three days later resurrected, and then 50 days later ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father, and that at his second coming, he will be the king of Israel, the king of the nations, the, the, the king over all the people. And he will restore the kingdom that has been divided. And we are going to read about that in 1 Kings chapter 12. You could basically say that was the very first church split. And the kingdom has been divided ever since. Now recently we had an amazing event happen, a -a one-of-a-kind event that's never happened before. And that was the... 21 days of prayer and fasting for Israel, which culminated on Pentecost Sunday, May the 28th. And it is estimated that more than 100 million believers were engaged and involved in praying for Israel. What do we need to pray for Israel? Well, Chris Mitchell, who works for CBN, really summed it up quite nicely. And he said, first of all, there is tremendous internal division within the nation. And there's a great division over the whole issue of judicial reform. And tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews on both sides of the issue have come out and demonstrated in the streets of Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. And they have very strong feelings on both sides of this issue. And so there's tremendous internal division and strife. And this needs healing. This needs to be healed. Because because of that internal division, Israel appears weak 
to her enemies, her external enemies, and the threat is very great. Iran is very likely already a nuclear-powered nation. And recently, Iran launched a fourth-generation missile that now has the capability to reach Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And so, you know, half the equation is, can you build a nuclear bomb? Do you have enough nuclear fissile material to build the bomb? And the other half of the equation is, can you deliver it? Do you have a missile that can deliver the payload? And now Iran does have the missile that can deliver the payload, and they are very likely already in possession of a nuclear bomb. So Iran, however, works through their proxies and and supplies equipment, training, money, resources to Hamas in Lebanon on the northern border and to Hezbollah. Um, so Iran works through its terrorist proxies. And so Hamas and Hezbollah have been doing war training exercises. They're getting ready for a war on the northern front, on the northern border between Lebanon and Israel. And they have thousands, literally thousands of missiles that have they've been equipped with from Iran pointing at Israel. So the threat against Israel is very grave. And God's going to have to do a miracle. He needs to do a miracle. Recently, there was... So we need to continue to keep Israel in our prayers for healing of the internal divisions for protection from the external threats and for the relationships between Jews and Christians to continue to be strengthened. That we as Christians would come alongside our Jewish friends in humility, in repentance for our bloody history, with a heart of love and a heart of service to walk with and to serve and to love our Jewish brethren with no strings attached, no agenda, and that we unite together as one against our common enemy, which is the end-of-days beast system. There is a beast system that is rising up. The scaffolding has been going up very quickly. And some call it the deep state, uh, that CCP is involved with it, the New World Order deep state people like Klaus Schwab, George Soros, Bill Gates, and the like, that they want to greatly depopulate the earth and leave just a few million and basically go to a landlord surf model, make the peons their slaves, get rid of the, quote, useless eaters. Anyway, this end-of-days B system is rapidly rising up. They're moving us towards the CBDC, that's the Central Bank Digital Currency, which basically there's no privacy in how you spend your money anymore. It's all controlled at the central bank level. 
and that's happening in many countries now. The FedNow CBDC will be unveiled and rolled out um, on certain platforms starting July 1st. So we are seeing this unfolding very rapidly, and the remnant of God's believers, we must be strong. We must be strong. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit. So now that takes me to Acts chapter 4. And I just want to share with you verse 30 and 31. So Peter is speaking here. He's giving another message. And um, he says here in verse 30, By stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Yeshua. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so when that happened, what was the fruit of it? First of all, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it gave them boldness in speaking the word of God. They spoke the word of God with power, with boldness, and with authority. And that was one of the purposes for why they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in the next verse, we see what was the fruit of this. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, what communism does is it tries to have the government take over and possess all resources, all means of production, factories, refineries, all places, you know, the, the food distribution system, the medical system, that the government now owns all of it. And it's going to tax you and redistribute the wealth. So government takes the place of God. But what this is showing us in the book of Acts is that the people, their hearts were so deeply touched by the Holy Spirit that they basically There was no more selfishness. They shared. They shared their belongings with one another. They were of one mind, one heart, and one spirit. And they loved each other. So there were none who went without in their midst. So that is the heart of God. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves in a powerful, profound way upon a body of believers. They become like one, but it's not through a government mandate. It's through the Holy Spirit mandate. So, Father, we need a new, fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit so that we will speak the word of God with boldness, with power, with authority so that we will love extremely, extravagantly, and with great extraordinary love, especially for the people of God. Because, Lord, as things get darker and darker in this world, it is the love of God that shines brightly in our hearts and manifests itself that will draw all men to you when they say, see how they love one another. 
So, Father, we understand and we know that the final great outpouring is going to be marked with a particular sign. And that sign is there's going to be an anointing of love. It won't be so much signs and wonders and healings and deliverances, although that will happen. But the big sign it's going to be marked with is a tsunami of love, an anointing of love from the Father that is so powerful and so strong and extraordinary and extreme, lavish love. Father, sweep us off our feet with your love. Lavish us with your love. Fill us to overflowing with your love so that we can leak out that love to all who come in contact with us. We love you, Yeshua. We thank you. We bless you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers Chapter 6, 24 to 26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.